You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Nehemiah chapter 9 and verse number 1. The Bible says, Now in the twenty and fourth day of this month, the children of Israel were assembled with fasting and with sackcloth and earth upon them. And the seed of Israel separated themselves from all strangers, and stood and confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. And they stood up in their place and read in the book of the law of the Lord their God one, for, one fourth part of the day. And another fourth part they confessed and worshiped the Lord their God. Amen. Thank you. You may be And uh, we're back in our series in the book of Nehemiah. Brother uh, Greg, Miss Robin, I didn't see Kinsley back there, but she just walked by. It's her birthday this week. And, uh, you know, people do that. They move seats and then I don't see them. But uh, I'll try to catch her after church. But if not, please tell her happy birthday. We're in the book of Nehemiah. Now, last week we took a break. And I'm glad we did because last week was such a blessing to have Mission Sunday and to get to hear from the missionaries. Uh, it was awesome. How many of you were blessed last Sunday? Amen. Wasn't that good? And uh, what, a, what a powerful, uh, powerful uh, day it was with the videos, the messages, and uh, Sunday school. It was all so good. Well, we're in the book of Nehemiah, and th- where we finished two weeks ago, the children of Israel have just finished feasting. They've been celebrating. They have been eating. Does that sound like anybody you know? That, sound, that sounds like us, right? That sounds like Victory Baptist Church. Does it not seem like every time you turn around, we're having a good excuse to eat? We did it in Sunday school this morning. We had a, Brother Dan had a special breakfast that he lined up, and Charles Bryant uh, uh, brought the lesson and combined with the crossroads. It was great. Um, there's always, there's always, it seems like, good food available. Now, I'm not saying healthy food. I'm talking about good food. How many of you know there's a difference there, right? And, um, and it seems like we're getting ready to get into more feasting, Thanksgiving, Christmas, and all that. But we see the children of Israel in chapter 8, they were feasting. They were celebrating. They were rejoicing. They had the Feast of the Tabernacles. They set up their booths. They set up their tent-like structures to remember all that God had done. And boy, they were fired up. But notice with me chapter 9, we see there is a change. Because in chapter 9 and verse number 1, it says, Now in the 20 and 4th day of this month, the children of Israel were assembled. That's a good thing to do. They assembled. They got together. They assembled with, what's the next word? Fasting. So within just really a few days, they went from feasting to fasting. And can I tell you, both are necessary. There ought to be times in your life where you are feasting, where you are celebrating, where you are rejoicing in the goodness of God. But it can't all be feasting. And it can't all be celebrating. It can't all be rejoicing. Because there comes a point in the life of a Christian where there's going to have to be some Fasting. Now, I don't even have to ask for a show of hands. I know which one you like better. Between feasting and fasting, that's not a hard choice. But the Bible says they were assembled with fasting and with sackcloth and earth upon them. 
They went from rejoicing to now they are humbling themselves. The Bible says in verse number uh, two that they separated themselves from all strangers and they stood and confessed their sins. I don't know too many people that uh, when they're confessing their sins that they're feasting. I don't know too many people when they're confessing their sins that they're rejoicing. You know what confession is? It's humility. It's brokenness. It's seriousness. It's a time of getting right with God. And so the Christian needs both. The Christian needs times of feasting, but the Christian also must have times of fasting. The Christian life ought to be a life of rejoicing, but there also must be a time in the Christian life where we confess our sins and where we get right with God. So this is the story in chapter 9. This is the situation that the children of Israel are in. In verse number 3, it says they stood up in their place and they read in the book of the law of their God one-fourth part of the day. Now we'll talk about that in a moment. That's a lot of Bible reading in case you're wondering. And then they spent another fourth of the day confessing their sins and worshiping the Lord their God. Verse 4, then they stood up, uh, the Levites, the leaders here, and they cried with a loud voice unto the Lord their God. Then the Levites, uh, Jeshua and Cadmiel and Bani and Hashemniah and Sherebiah and Hodijah and Shebaniah and Pethahiah, they said, here they're talking to all the assembly, And here's what they said to everybody there. We're fasting. We're confessing our sins. We're worshiping God. But now it's time to stand up and it's time to worship the Lord. This this is what's going on for the nation of Israel. They're not in an air-conditioned building like we have. They didn't have padded pews. They didn't have beautiful lights and sound systems. They're just gathered together. And for hours reading the Bible, for hours they're praying, and then they begin to worship. Here's what we're going to do this morning. i got Miss Cheryl over here on the piano. I want you to take your hymn book, if you need the words in the blue book. It's 538. They stood up and they blessed the Lord, and they blessed the name of the Lord. So let's all stand together this morning. I know... This is preaching time, but I don't think it'd be bad to sing a song of praise to God one more time in the service. So we're standing up like they did here, and let's bless the name of the Lord. 538, let's sing it on that first verse. Ready? All praise to Him who reigns above in majesty supreme, who gave His Son for man to die. That he might. Oh, you're doing good. Sing it on the chorus. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name. Amen. Sounds good. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now hold your place right there. In just a minute, we're going to sing verse 2. Verse number 5 in Nehemiah 9, it says this. Stand up and bless the Lord your God forever and ever. And blessed be thy glorious name, which is exalted above all blessing and praise. Did you know there is no name that is higher than the name of Jesus? There is no name exalted above his name. Uh, The kings, the rulers, the presidents, the governors, the princes, uh, the, the, the generals of years past, 
their names will dwarf in comparison to the name of Jesus. His name is exalted. Now let's do verse number two, 538. Here we go. His name above all names shall stand, exalted more and more. At God the Father's own right hand, where angel hosts adore. Good, sing it out. Blessed be the name, blessed be Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. Good saying. You may be seated. Thank you, Miss Cheryl. That's what they did. They were gathered together. They read the Bible. They confessed their sins. They worshiped God. And then they told the people, they said, hey, it's time to stand up and it's time to bless the name of the Lord. Let me give you a few thoughts here quickly from chapter 9. Number one, I see Israel's plea. Their plea in verse number one, it was a plea that was serious. You see, whenever you start fasting for something, that's serious business. When you give up food, that's serious. And for some, it's more serious than others, let me tell you, but it's serious. When you give up things that you enjoy, when you give up sleep, this is serious business. And I know Time Change Sunday is not the day to be talking about giving up sleep because we didn't give it up, we gained it. But when you give up the pleasures and you give up the things that you enjoy, that is serious. The children of Israel began to fast. The Bible says they put on sackcloth. Now, how many of you know that you have clothes that are comfortable to you, right? I mean, maybe not what you're wearing now, but we all have comfortable clothes, right? My wife and I often, we talk about how, how much things have changed over the years. Uh, the, the, the material is so much more comfortable. Uh, things, it seems like they're, they're a little less, you know, fewer wrinkles and it's easier to care for them. And they just, it seems like it's just more comfortable than things used to be. Well, the children of Israel, they picked out for their wardrobe, they picked out the most uncomfortable thing you could imagine. They put on sackcloth. Sackcloth would be the material of like a burlap sack. Can you imagine wearing that? You imagine not having clothes on your body except for burlap sacks? Can you imagine the irritation that would be? Can you imagine being out in the hot sun and you start to sweat and, and, and you're itching and it's uncomfortable and it's miserable? You say, why did they put on sackcloth? The sackcloth was a reminder to the children of Israel that as they were uncomfortable in that sackcloth, their sin made God uncomfortable. Their sin bothered God like that sackcloth was bothering their skin. And so they put on sackcloth. Notice the next thing. It says they put, in verse 1, they put earth. They put dirt on themselves. Now, there might be, I'm looking up at the sound booth. There might be a few adults in here that you go out and your mission is to get as much dirt on you as possible. I rest my case. But most adults do not do that. Most adults do not go out, even when you're working. I'll, I'll go out and I'll mow the lawn and I'll do the weed eater and I'll do the blower and, and I, got, I got stuff on me. But it's not because I was dumping stuff on me. It's not because I was trying to get dirty. Now, my children, 
They do that. I've got some pictures of Lacey and Savannah from years ago where they were covered head to foot in mud and they loved every minute of it. They were proud of it, right? But you don't go outside just for fun and start pouring dirt on yourself. You don't do that. But here's why they were doing it. Because they were humbling themselves before God. They said, God, we have sinned. We have been wicked. We have, we have turned away from you. We have rejected you. And they said, and we are serious in our plea. Number one, it was a serious plea. Number two, it was a sacrificial plea. It took time out of their schedule to say, we're going to fast. Sam, I just saw you over there, the birthday man. I didn't see you earlier. Happy birthday. It was serious. It was sacrificial. It was self-denying. Now, nobody likes to deny themselves. You don't even like to give up your favorite chair in the house. You don't even like to share. If you get dessert, you don't even like to cut it in half and share it with your spouse, the one that you, you know, vowed uh, to having to hold till death do us part. I'm sticking with you for the rest of my life, but you're not getting a bite of my dessert. But this was a plea that was self-denying. This was a plea for God to do a work and for God to intervene in the country. Here we are two days away from election day. I think it'd be good for God's people today or tomorrow or Tuesday or whenever you have time, carve out time and say, we're going to pray because this nation needs God. This nation needs more than a change in the, the economy. This nation needs more than a change in, 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 in uh, foreign affairs and all that. This nation needs a change in turning our eyes and getting back to God. And that's not going to come from playing games with God. That's going to come from people that get serious with God, that humble themselves and pray and seek God's face and turn from their wicked ways. Number one, Israel's plea. But not, number two, I see Israel's purity. The Bible says in verse 2, And the seed of Israel separated themselves from all strangers and stood and confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. The word there, it says they separated from strangers. Now that word strangers is the word foreigners. Now God allowed for foreign people to come into the nation of Israel as long as they adapted to the laws of Israel. That was fine. The problem was not that people were not from Israel. The problem was when God's people, the Israelites, they looked to the foreigners to find out which gods they should worship. The problem was when the, the other nations influenced them in worshiping idols. And the problem was when the children of Israel would give their children to be married to the children of the heathen. That was the problem. And God said, you've got to separate yourselves from that influence. Turn with me if you would. Hold your place in Nehemiah chapter 9. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, please. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 14. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Um, I think this is an obvious, but I've said it before. I'll say it again. I don't believe that a Christian should marry a non-Christian. I don't believe a saved person should marry an unsaved person. You say, well, I'm going to marry them, and then after I marry them, then I think they're going to get saved. No, 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 no. You don't, it's not the way it works. They get saved first. You, you make sure first that they're saved. Otherwise, you are entering an unequal yoke. You say, well, pastor, I married somebody, and they're not saved. What do I do now? You stay married. I was kind of quiet on that. 
And by the way, you say, I married a, sa a saved person and we're not getting along. What do you do? You stay married. But be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Don't get into that. If you're in it, then you stick with it and you pray and you be a testimony and you pray that God will bring that person to Christ. But don't get into it. Don't, don't go down that road. You say, oh, I just, I love them so much. I just think this is the person for me. First question I'll ask, are they saved? And if the answer to that is no, then you shouldn't go down that road. Uh, anyway, that's, that's, for, that's free. That's just extra. Throw that out there. Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion hath light with darkness? What concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? Verse 16, what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Verse 17, wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you and will be a father unto you and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Warren Wearsby is a Bible commentator and he says it like this. He says, separation without devotion to God is isolation. If you're separated from the world, but you're not devoted to God, you've missed the point. The reason we want and we should be separate from the world is so we can be close to our God. But if you try to have devotion with God without separation, that's called hypocrisy. So you see, we are separate from the world so that we can be closer in our fellowship with the Lord. Notice what it says here, verse 18, and he says, and I'll be a father unto you. Boy, can you imagine how God must feel when we love the world more than we love God? Can you imagine how that must break the heart of our heavenly father when we get more excited and we get more, more wrapped up in the things of the world than we do about the things of God? There must be, number one, there must be a plea. Number two, there must be a purity, Israel's purity. Number three, I see Israel's praise. Go back with me to Nehemiah chapter nine, please. The Bible says that they stood up in their place and they read in the book of the law of their Lord, their God, one fourth part of the day. Now, some Bible scholars believe, and I think this, we'll, we'll, we'll stick with this. Some Bible scholars believe that one fourth of the day is meaning the, the, the daytime, which would be 12 hours, and then the nighttime would be 12 hours. It's possible it's talking about 24, but let's just say it's talking about 12. What is one-fourth of 12? How many hours is that? Three. So they spent three hours reading the Bible. You say, Pastor, that is a lot of time to read the Bible. I, I agree, that's a lot of time. But it didn't stop there. After they read the Bible for three hours, a fourth part of the day, it could be six, but we'll say three. Then it goes on to say, in another fourth part, they confessed and worshiped the Lord their God. So they spent three hours reading the Bible. Then they spent three hours confessing their sin and worshiping God. You say, what took them so long? Well, if you had to confess the sins of your spouse or if you had to con you know, confess the sins of you know, the person sitting next to you, that might be a three-hour ordeal. I don't know. But the truth is we all have sin, don't we? And so often we don't confess our sin. So often we don't take the time. We, we want confession 
to be five seconds and then we want to spend the majority of the time praying for all the things we need or all the things we want. And I'm not against. I'm not against praying and asking God for things. I'm not against praising God. We ought to spend time praising God. But there needs to be time for confession. And they spent time reading the Bible. They spent time confessing and worshiping the Lord. So let's just say three hours of each. That's six hours in one day they spent for the things of God. Say, Pastor, I don't have six hours a day to read my Bible, confess my sins, to worship the Lord. I understand we're all busy. But did you know the average American spends almost three hours a day watching television? I'm not saying you do. I'm saying the average American does. So you know what that means? If that's the average, that means some spend more and some less. Did you know the average American spends almost two hours a day on social media? Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, whatever they are, whatever all the others are. So we're up to five hours, right? Just with that, the average American, TV and computer stuff. We're talking about five hours a day on average. Are you ready for this? The average American, and I know we're talking about people that would be Independent Baptists, we're talking about people that would be in other churches, and we're talking about people that are not even in church. I understand that, but this is the average. The average American spends nine minutes a day on anything spiritual or religious. That counts Bible reading. That counts prayer time. That counts going to church. That counts Sunday school. That, and I understand. You're saying, well, we've got that beat. We're already here for the service. We're here at least an hour. But the average American spends nine minutes a day for anything spiritual. Let's take it a step further. Did you know that Muslims pray five times a day? The average amount of time it takes to do the prayers and everything involved to, 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 to do the, the, the thing that they do, the average amount of time is 15 minutes per prayer time. So five times 15, that's 75 minutes a day that a Muslim would spend on their prayer time. And they're praying to a God that is not real. They're praying to a God that does not hear. They're praying to a God that cannot answer. And we spend minutes with God and hours doing other things. Now again, you're going to have to figure out what you do with your Bible reading. You're going to have to figure out what you do with your prayer time. Now, I understand we're all busy. But I think it's such a shame that people spend two hours a day on social media and three hours a day on TV and nine minutes a day with God. Do you think it's coincidence that our nation is in the mess we're in? I think we need to see a revival of Bible reading. I think we need to see a revival of prayer time. I think we need to see a revival of coming to church and worshiping God. I'm just saying this, wherever you're at in your Christian life, let's see what we can do to do more for God and not spend as much time on the things of this world that really don't matter a whole lot. I see Israel's praise. They devoted time to the Lord. 
We come to church and many times we just can't wait to get out. Uh, we come to church and we're, we're, we're in a hurry for the next thing. But can I tell you, God has something for us. God wants to speak to you and God wants to speak to me. God wants to work, but we're in too much of a hurry to even let him. I see verse 4, they stood up, they cried with a loud voice unto the Lord. Verse 5, uh, they said, stand up and bless the Lord. And they talked about how good God was and they praised his name. I see number four, I see God's position. Blessed be thy glorious name, which is exalted above all blessing and praise. Philippians 2 says that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He is God. His name is exalted. Verse 6, he is God alone. There is no other God. There is no other God. There is one God and he alone deserves your worship. My worship, your praise, and my praise. Notice verse 6. Thou, even thou art Lord alone, thou hast made heaven. The heaven of heavens with all their host. Some people believe, and in some cases, the host of heaven refers to the angels. Uh, remember the story in Luke 2, and there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. But that word host can also speak of the stars. That word host can speak of uh, the, the sun and the moon and the planets that are in their orbit. Scientists tell us that stars actually make noise. Stars actually sing. Now scientists figure that out, but all they're doing is they're just catching up with the Bible. Because the Bible says in Job 38, verse 7, that the morning stars sang together and they shouted for joy. Now, don't go outside tonight and stand out in your backyard and don't say, you know, pastor said they sing, but I'm not hearing anything. You know, okay, I understand that. But the stars sing. The, the, the stars, the host of heaven, they sing praise to God. God created the earth. He created the heavens. He created the seas and all that is therein. And thou preservest them all, verse 6. And the host of heaven worshipeth thee. Did you know that all creation is worshiping God? The stars sing. The birds sing. I found this out, I guess it was a couple years ago when I was doing something with the, the children's choir. I was teaching a lesson. I found out that the whales sing. The oceans. Uh, you know how some people go to sleep at night? With the, the sound app of the ocean waves crashing against the rocks. All creation sings and all creation joins together to worship the Lord. God is the creator God is the one that made that. Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament showeth his handiwork. God created this earth. He created and what we believe and what we can try our best to count is nearly a hundred billion stars in our galaxy, the Milky Way. A hundred billion. Scientists believe that there are 200 billion stars trillion stars in the universe. That's 200 with 21 zeros following that number. That's a lot of stars. 
Did you know these stars are not small? I was in the children's choir a few weeks ago. I was talking about this star. It's called the Antares star. Anybody ever heard of the Antares star? The Antares star, they found out that it's reddish in color. Some people mistake it for Mars. But the Antares star is, uh, let me give it to you here. I got it. The Antares star is, if you were to have a quarter, and then you were to put a little grain of sand on that quarter, Antares would be that quarter, and our sun would be that little grain of sand. That's the comparison. That's how much bigger that star is than our sun. And that's just one of the stars. And then if you were to take the sun, you would need over one million planet Earths to make up the size of our sun. Now, when you hear numbers like that, does it ever just kind of blow your mind and you're like, it's not even computing? God created all that. God created it. And God not only created it, but he put it in orbit. He put it in the, in the heavens. And the heavens, the host of God is worshiping their creator. But here's what's amazing. If Antares is one star that is so much bigger than the sun, and then the sun is so much bigger than the earth, and here we are on planet earth. And God desires our worship. And God wants to hear from us. And God cares about us. And God loves us. David said it like this in Psalm 8. What is man that thou art mindful of him? I'm just trying to say today that God's position is that he is exalted. And our responsibility should be that we praise God. I don't know how many minutes a day. I, I, I hope you're more than the average of nine minutes a day of everything. You've already been here for an hour, so that's some time. But I hope this week, I hope we'll take some time to worship the Lord. I hope we'll take some time to praise the Lord. I hope we'll take some time to read the Word of God, to confess our sins, to get things right with Him. He is worthy of our praise. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.